Hello, and welcome to my podcast, HM Loves Books and Writing. I'm Holly Millward, a writer and reader. This podcast covers books I've recently read, as well as other information related to my personal reading and writing journey. Today I want to talk about a book called Heart's Blood by Juliette Marillier. This is an author that I am just coming to um, read some of her work. I picked up last week on an audiobook, her book Blackthorn and Grimm. I'm not very far into Blackthorn and Grimm because I have been listening it, to it um, through audio um, during my, my commute, but um, I was working on something else this weekend and Googling Beauty and the Beast adaptations for another project that I'm working on. And this particular author's book, Heart's Blood, came up when I was searching for that. I think it was in the top, either the top five or the top ten on Goodreads for uh, Beauty and the Beast adaptations. Now, the list for Beauty and the Beast adaptations contained several other of just my some of my favorite books. And so I thought I'd pick up this one because the reviews were good on it. Um, I am a complete sucker for a Beauty and the Beast themed or um, type of plot. I loved Beauty and the Beast, the Disney movie, when I was growing up, I'm a teenager, because I felt like um, Belle really kind of encapsulated the way that I felt, the song that she sings about um, wanting more than this provincial life. I grew up in a small town, and so I I, I really could identify with that feeling. Um, I love to read. I felt like a little bit of an outcast. I really highly um, thought of, you know, the intellect and learning and reading were all things that I really um, thought highly of, unlike maybe some of the other people in the community where I was from. So I just, I've always really loved the Beauty and the Beast tales. And of course, of course, this type of a tale isn't a new tale. It's one that's been told over and over and over again. But I will never stop reading these types of of, um, books. But anyway, I picked up this book. I read it all in one day. Um, It was the weekend, so I had a little bit of time to be able to do that. Um, I just couldn't put it down. There was a lot that I really liked about this particular book, and I'll get into that in a little bit more detail here in a few minutes. I will give a quick synopsis of the book. Now, if you're not um, familiar with my podcasts, I like to talk a little bit about the book, give a short synopsis, give some thoughts and some feelings that I had about the book or things that struck me while I was reading it, but I don't give spoilers. So, um, you know, don't be worried about that. I won't give away the plot of a book in these podcasts. For Heart's Blood, um... A little bit of background information on the plot. It starts really with, with this place called Whistling Tor. It's a secret, kind of a secretive, mysterious wooded hill that 
houses this crumbling fortress that belongs to the character Anluin, a, chief, a chieftain whose name is spoken throughout the region in tones of revulsion and bitterness. A curse lies over Anluin's family and his people, and the woods themselves hold a perilous force whose every whisper threatens doom. So the other main character is um, Katrin. So she appears in Anluin's garden, um, admiring the rare plant known as heart's blood. She's a scribe, and this heart's blood plant can be made into some very costly, um, rare type of ink that's used by nobility and people, um, wealthy people. So finding heart's blood can be a real boon or a treasure for a scribe. So she sees this plant, she's kind of bending over it, admiring it, um, but um, then Anne Lewin comes in and, and they have a little bit of a interesting first meeting. He thinks that she's trying to steal this plant, um, but he's the reason why she's come is because she's learned or heard that he's looking for a scribe. Um, so she is retained to sort through these family documents and to um, translate some of the writings that are in Latin. And while she's there, she brings about some unexpected changes in the household and kind of brings hope and light into this kind of sad, dreary, despairing place. But as she's bringing solace to Anluin, and there's this kind of promise of something more between them. He is still, um, you know, enthralled by this darkness that surrounds the place um, and this, this different family history. So Katrin, it really tries to help unravel this web of sorcery and this history of his family and kind of what happened with his ancestors um, so that she can help you know they can they can live happily ever after basically or or you know maybe find a find a way to be together so it is a really interesting book um Anne Lewin has a, a little bit of deformity um so that kind of rings true with Beauty and the Beast kind of a tale um but the things that I really liked about this book was it's written in a period of time that you don't learn about very, very often. Um, so it is a fantasy. It does involve kind of magic and folklore. But Juliet has done a wonderful job of setting it in a real place, too. Like, this is, this is definitely Earth. This is definitely Ireland. This is definitely um, the period of the Normans beginning to come in and take over some of the stuff. So it's set in a really um, specific and, and true time period. But then you have all these kind of fantastical elements and folklore that go along with it. So it's something that, that she did really, really well and that I really like about this book.
For a few minutes, I want to talk about the things that I really, really, really liked about this book. Um, again, I, I did enjoy this book um, maybe more than some of the others that I've read recently. It was right up my alley with things that I'm interested in and things that I want to be able to do with some of my own books. But particularly what I enjoyed about this book was the way that Juliet was able to meld um, these Irish folklore and mythology themes in with this book. Like I said, it's set in a specific time and place that's real. So there's no made up places, countries. Sometimes when you read fantasy, you get some kind of kooky names to deal with and, and things for places and people. This was very, um, felt very true to the time period and this and the and the place. So um I also really liked how it, it's obviously very there's a lot of kind of fae elements of the fae that are involved, but she deals with it in a way that I just thought it was really well well done. She didn't say specifically this is the fae. She did it more in a way that kind of touched on these folklore or, or mythological types of characters and lore. But a person who's not familiar with um, Celtic lore or mythology would be able to pick it up, understand what's going on, and really, you know, enjoy it. So, for example, there's a character with a an enormous hound. So hounds or, or grims, that's a common folklore um, element for the British Isles. Um, there was a character that was kind of like a doulahan, which a doulahan is a um, kind of a, a skeletal or even headless horseman type of a character. So Oh, and even even there's this host that's kind of a dark force. Um, and so it kind of harkens to the wild hunt in Celtic mythology or the Slua in Celtic mythology. So there's all these kind of elements of really Irish folklore that are interweaved into this book, but but it was done in a really organic way. Um, and it also was done in, in a way that was kind of more Christianized. So, I mean, they, they are in the time frame where Christianity was, was all over. There's monks in this book too. So it just was such a great interweaving of mythology, um, and this time period. And I just, I really, really thought she did a great job with that part of it. Um, I will see, I will say that one aspect of the book that I didn't, I, I, I thought it was a little too easy to figure out. There's kind of, there's a little bit of a mystery involved. Um, and I, I did see the answer to that mystery, like coming a mile away. Like I had it figured out pretty much immediately, but that didn't bother me because I enjoyed the characters so much and just the story 
so much that it was okay with me that it wasn't, like, I think it was supposed to be a surprise, but it was pretty obvious that, um, you know, what was, what was really going on. But I loved this. I thought it was great. I would read it again later. Um, a few minutes ago, I pulled up Juliet's website and she's got a ton of books on here. I'm really excited because they, they just, they look really interesting. There's a whole entire series and all the book covers are pre-Raphaelite paintings. Um, <laughs> really excited about that because I love, um, the pre-Raphaelite. So it just kind of, it just kind of is another sign that, yeah, these books are for you. Um, another point about these books for someone who might be interested in reading them, it is a romance. It's not a lurid romance. I enjoy any kind of romance. So I'll read a Fifty Shades of Grey. I'll read, you know, I'll read content that's, you know, sexy and involves sex and stuff. This book was a romance. There was sex, but it was very, um, the way that she treated that kind of a, a scene was very um, toned down. It was not at all graphic. So this would be a book that I would feel comfortable um, recommending to a friend who maybe isn't as comfortable with the more graphic type of sex books. So this was a, a definitely a lot more toned down, but um, it was a really nice romance um, book. I'd like to end with a couple of quotes from the book, just so you can get a feel for um, Juliet's writing style. I like to do this with my, um, with my podcasts. I think it just gives you a, a good feel for, um, the writer's way of, um, telling a story. So the first quote, he was seated on the bench now. He had his left elbow on his knee, his right arm across his lap, his shoulders hunched, his head bowed, white face, red hair, snow and fire like something from an old tale the book i had noticed earlier was on the bench beside him its cover shut i ran around ann lewin's feet and in the birdbath small visitors to the garden hopped and splashed and made the most of the day that was becoming fair and sunny he did not seem to notice them as for me i found it difficult to take my eyes from him there was an odd beauty in his isolation and his sadness, like that of a forlorn prince ensorcelled by a wicked enchantress or a traveler lost forever in a world far from home. So there's some really great imagery there. Again, um, the fact that he's wearing red, that's a, um, a mark a lot of times of, of the fae. Um, so again, there's like these great little kind of homages that kind of pop up to to the Irish folk tales. Um, let me find another one here. So there's some, some really great quotes in here. Um, here's another one. Anne Lewin's speaking to Catherine. Kat he says, how could you not know? His voice was full of wonderment. You changed me utterly. You were like a bright 
wonderful bloom in a garden full of weeds, like a graceful capital on a page of plain script, a letter decorated with the deepest, finest colors in all Erin, like a flame catcher, like a song. So there's some really wonderful images that um, she evokes in these different passages. The other thing that I really liked about this book, there were some great quotes about um, about hope and about, um, you know, persevering through times of difficulty and darkness, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel if we just keep going, um, and, that, and that there's more than one chance also, that we make mistakes, things happen, but we have the opportunity to turn those things around while, while, while we're here and we're living and we're um, interacting with other people. So even though maybe there's been things that we've done in our past that, or um, maybe circumstances from our past have kind of put us in a situation where we don't have a lot of choices, we still have the ability to um, remain who we are and to become stronger and to become better people. So it's a really great message that she's giving in this book as well. A few final thoughts. As I've already stated, I did really enjoy this book. That's pretty obvious from what I've said already. Um, I would recommend it for people who like fantasy, but maybe who don't love the huge, like enormous fantasy, like traditional fantasy type books with completely made up places. Um, those aren't, aren't my favorite. Sometimes I have a really hard time really getting involved in a, in a place that doesn't really exist. Sometimes I think place names and people names and stuff are just a little too silly. Um, I love Lord of the Rings, but J.R.R. Tolkien was a linguist, so he kind of had a leg up on, <laughs> on um, his place names and different, different people's names and, and different things. And I don't think that everybody can carry that off as well. So if you're like me and you like the fantasy and a little bit of the magic and a little bit of the, um, the you know, fantastical, but you don't love a completely made up place, this is would be a good book for you. It's also good, as I already said, for people who like romances, but who don't love the gritty or the gratuitous or kind of the more... Um, sexy type books. So my daughter's 11. I wouldn't have too much of a problem with her picking up this book, even though there's some, there are some very adult situate, like situations or, um, in a couple places, some kind of more adult thoughts and stuff going on. I wouldn't worry about her picking up it up too much, um, within the next couple of years, if this was something she felt like she wanted to read. Um, so I think it would appeal to, to like a, a pretty wide group of people. Um, and my final thought is that um, I will definitely be reading more of Juliet's books. So you'll probably see some more titles of hers coming 
um, with upcoming or future podcasts. So until then, I will tell you happy reading and I'll hope, I hope to be back and um, in, your, in your home or in your car talking about books again shortly.